Hello, and welcome to Rebel FM, episode 377. I'm Anthony Gallegos. Joining me is Arthur Geese. Uh, From his apartment, where he has yeah. back spasms. I'm, I am having back spasms right now. It's, it's a lot of fun uh, not being able to stand properly. I think the first time I got those, I was like uh, 13, and I didn't understand what was happening to me. It was like such a weird thing to get at such a young age, but... And I didn't yes. get them in t- for the first time until I was about 30, and now they happen like once every year and a half, two years, I think. Sometimes um, longer, sometimes shorter, but it's pretty infrequent, but man. Is this the week before E3, or is this E3 week now? Because it's like everything kind of starts on the weekend before. Yeah, I mean, Saturday, we talked about this last week, but Saturday is when e- EA stuff starts. Um, and then Sunday is Microsoft's. And then Monday is everything else, basically. Well, we're basically a mere, like, what, two days before you are you are in L.A. Doing uh, we are 36 hours away from me being in L.A., give or take. Wow, wow, wow. Wait, yes. Yeah, because I'm there early Saturday morning. And, yeah, things just keep happening. It's to the point where Matt's not here. I'm not sure why Matt's not here, but James, I know, is dealing with all the pre-E3 things. Yeah, James is in L.A. now, helping to set up for Twitch's live show. Um, He's already done Fig Recon and posted it on Twitter, so people were excited. What is the deal with the Fig now? Is it it open again? Yeah, it's totally remodeled. Uh, The Fig, for those not in the know, refers to the Figueroa. Yeah, it's Um, it's a hotel, like, what, pretty much across the street? Ish. Yeah. And it um, used to be where, back in the day, a lot of industry people, including all the, like, the live one-up podcasts and stuff, would come out of the poolside yeah. from there. And IGN like does podcasts from there sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just a dirty place. And, well, it wasn't that bad, but it, it had a reputation. old. Yes. And it was also the building that was like, that would always get the ju- the biggest E3 ads along the side of it. Like it was always like the biggest games of the year, whether it was Destiny or Call of Duty or something, would have the side of it. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is now, but it, apparently it seems nice. So I guess I'll find out in a couple of days. Um, uh, so video games—they keep coming out. They keep getting leaked. They do keep getting leaked. I know. I was like a. I I uh, I, I keep wondering to myself if that Hitman announcement was planned, or whether they were like, well. F- fucking just say hitman's a thing now um like, yeah i don't know i mean like they did a live stream with ign about it today so okay. maybe that was planned way far in advance but i i don't know it seemed like it was done in la i don't think it was done up here yeah. um so i don't know uh it certainly didn't happen the way they intended it to how do you feel about there being a a new hitman's instead of a second season of hitman's i th- i think that it's good partly because it's not episodic anymore like they're just releasing the game um and then they said there will be post-release content whatever that means um yeah but i do feel like i mean i felt like the episodic nature of the last one kind of undermined it um which i know not everybody agrees with well i i probably would have agreed had i been playing it when it was coming out i by the time i jumped into it it was all there yeah. So that gives me kind of a skewed perspective as opposed to if I just bought the game and then been like, okay, two maps. And yeah, I go. with Hitman, I just want to like get the game and sort of chew my way through it as maybe as quickly as possible. Um, and yeah, that just wasn't that wasn't possible with the last Hitman game. 
Uh, the thing that kind of throws me off is that they're calling it Hitman 2. Yeah. And there's been a Hitman 2. Hitman 2. 2. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that just means the next one will be... Wait. Two more, and then we get blood money, right? So. Yeah. Because there was that contracts, I think, right? It's and then Hitman. Hitman Agent 47. Oh, right. Hitman 2. Silent Assassin. Hitman Contracts, which takes place between the first Hitman and the second Hitman, and also like a tiny bit before the first Hitman, or maybe during. <laughs> uh, it's like flashback missions. It's not. It's not like a linear narrative. Um, Hitman Blood Money takes place after Hitman Two. Hitman Absolution. It's suggested that it takes place after Hitman Blood Money, so that felt chronological. And the most recent right. Hitman. It's a little funky. Like, it's hard to know if it's a reboot or not. Um, it doesn't feel like it's explicitly a reboot, but maybe it is. Maybe or was. Yeah. Um, I definitely am really excited just that, that that franchise gets to continue to exist. I mean. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's good. It's a good thing. Um, I'm glad. And it's coming out this year, supposedly. Yeah. That's uh, I- that's kind of crazy in its own right. Unlike uh, unlike the other things that we've seen leaked this week, yeah, that, are, um, that aren't coming out this year anymore. Well, yeah, the so Crackdown has been delayed till next year. Yeah, that's such a um, bummer. I honestly, I want. I've been weird. wanting to play that game for a while. That's just all. I think I that it's not out of the question that uh, that there's a beta for it this summer, mm-hmm. like around Gamescom. Um. But it doesn't. If they're at all worried about the game, or honestly, if they just want to maximize like its possibility to sell well, I think that getting it out of the way of the games that are releasing this fall is a good idea. Like you don't want to get Titanfall two'd. Yeah, it's um, true. Like, and it's even worse because there's like a big Call of Duty, like with Black Ops four, uh, and there's Battlefield five, and a new Assassin's Creed game. And Red Dead. Okay, that and, all makes sense. Like, I don't think that you want to launch a game like that against those games. I f- do you think that that's maybe what also contributed to the delay of that Days Gone game as well? I was Days Gone delayed because I feel like they've said 2019 for a bit now. I guess they just haven't set a date for a while, and then they just said 2019 now. Yeah, so. I. I mean. I don't know. Days Gone is looks like a game that could use literally all of the time it could possibly get, and even then, maybe more. Um, yeah, I found the trailer they put out today pretty underwhelming. Yeah, everything I've seen about that game just is not particularly interesting to me. Um, but maybe it'll be good. Uh, so yeah, Crackdown got delayed. Uh, Just Cause Four was accidentally leaked with a Steam ad about an hour and a half ago. I didn't see that. Wow. Yeah. Well. The pre-order pop-up when you log into Steam. <laughs> oh, wow, wow, wow. And it was Just Cause. Yeah. I'll be curious to see what they do with that. Just Cause 3 was fun for a bit, but I kind of fell off it pretty hard after a while. Yeah, which, I mean, that's what Just Cause 2 was as well. Like. Yeah. Um, and, and then uh, and then there's a new Tetris game coming out. <laughs> there is, <laughs> Although that, that wasn't was an leaked. official announce. That was yeah, leaked. of course, because that's not something that you... I feel like that would get, like, nothing if you tried to do that during the show. So yeah, I just, think... Yeah. I, I mean, at this point, VR games, I don't think that Sony wants to spend too much time on VR games on their stage. Yeah. Um, so it's funny, like, Avalanche 
has now had three announcements prior to E3, two of which were leaked. Like, because really? they're working on Rage 2, and that got leaked. Right, right. And they're working on Just Cause 4, which was leaked a little while ago. And then this mm. morning, they released a trailer for another game that they're working on, which is like a co-op shooter called Generation Zero. Yeah. Yeah. Of all the projects they've talked about, too, that one sounds the most potentially interesting to me, just because it's, uh, it's interesting because it's a new IP. Just- yeah. I mean, it's it seems like it's borrowing from, like, a specific sort of concept art stuff or like fine art stuff that I think if you go to Austin Walker's Twitter account he talked about it earlier today um, but it looks like it could be cool um, it's just it's interesting to me that they're working on so many projects and maybe that's why they just got bought because they clearly have like a lot of work but maybe they're undercapitalized to develop everything at the same time yeah who bought them I didn't even see I fucking... that's crazy it's it's weird it's so it's weird that the developer of Rage Two got bought during the development of Rage. I don't know. Yeah, which makes me think that Nordisk Film is the company that bought them. Okay. Um. It's a like a Nordic production company, I guess. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I. Uh, that's a studio that really feels like they could use some some proper oversight and producers from like a bigger more polished organization i'll be curious um, what all they actually have to show at e3 if they have their, any of their games there that'd be kind of cool just cause I mean, four i could see on a stage uh yeah is that square enix that published three correct so that's probably in square's presentation um that that would check out to me yeah. um Meanwhile, Warner Brothers will have Hitman there. Um, yeah, though they don't ever do stage presentations, right? So that wouldn't surprise me if that somehow makes it maybe onto someone's stage presentation. Maybe? I don't maybe. Know. I guess it could. Um, Just Cause... Yeah, Just Cause will probably be on Square... It, on During Square Enix's thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, um, Rage Two would be at Bethesda's press conference, obviously, and at their at their booth, such as it is. Um, what else got leaked? Uh, yeah, I feel like there's been just a lot of stuff. Fortnite for Switch has been heavily indicated, accidentally by Epic themselves. I guess they pushed an update for for Fortnite that had switched code in it. Or yeah, something. and it seems like that got corroborated by the fact today that uh, High Res announced next week that there Paladins. is coming to switch which was on that same flyer so that seems to corroborate those things quite a bit which is interesting to me because the the stuff that i'd seen about fortnite on on switch is that they were having problems getting it running hmm. maybe they're gonna put it out in some sort of early access version or something like that or i don't know what well, i would it be free, I guess, is the question. I would hope so. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I, I feel like that'd be something I'd be interested in trying, but then there's no voice chat, and... Yeah. Yeah. And also, I just... I don't know. The Switch doesn't seem like the ideal place to play it. I also... It, it really doesn't. Like, are they going to get it up to 60? Oh, I feel like no way. Like, because the... PS4 and Xbox One versions are 60 now, I think. 
Yeah, I don't think they'd get it to 60. I think they'd just be like, it's a lower frame rate, and it's just how it is, but... Um, I, honestly, I mean, out of all those proposed Nintendo Switch things, I'm, I am most curious about that uh, Killer Queen game, because I had always heard that that was a really cool arcade thing, so I'd be curious what the fuck that oh, is. Oh, did that get announced? That was on that same flyer. was the oh. version of Killer Queen for Switch. Yeah, I mean, who knows if that turns out to be true. It and over... Like- Overcooked 2. Overcooked 2, yeah. I mean, that doesn't seem out, like out of the ordinary. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, let's see. I mean, I, I've seen people say, oh, this is so leaky, there's not going to be anything left to announce. There's definitely stuff that has not been leaked yet. Oh, that will be I have no show. doubt about that. Some first-party um, stuff for sure. Not just first-party stuff, but there's stuff that I've heard about that will be there that has not been leaked. So it was, so what you're saying is it was leaked to you. Uh, people talk. <laughs> I mean, I've still got sources. I mean, uh, I am I going have, to E3. No, you, I have, you no, have sources. I have no doubt about that. Yeah, I've heard some things, but nothing I haven't heard. And nothing I've heard at is games that will be at E3. So, um, yeah, there's some some stuff that's exciting that will be in the show that people don't know about yet. You know who's um, like uh, just tangentially like it's not E3 stuff, but. I've been noticing Paradox has been throwing a lot of money around lately. I feel like they're like trying to. Yeah. Like, I feel like they're trying to grow in the way Bethesda did. Right, because they just bought Harebrained Schemes. And they've bought like a majority stake, I think, or something in the old Zombie Guy Studios. They're now mostly owned by Paradox. And I just feel like they're going around throwing money at things. I don't know. Just be curious what that studio, what that publisher looks like. In- yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're definitely still going after PCS, PC games, it seems like. But It would be, like, what was the company that bought THQ and turned it into THQ Nordic? Was it Deep Silver? Uh, no, THQ Nordic bought Deep Silver. Right. So. But Deep Silver bought a bunch of THQ stuff Yes, as well. That. Yeah. So, so it is a little bit like, yeah, Deep Silver's probably a better analogy. Um, yeah, it's weird. It's super weird. Um, let's see, what other shit has gone down uh yeah i I mean i don't don't know there's lots of stuff that that hasn't quite leaked yet yeah i I mean it's it'll still be a fun show to watch just because there's always the anticipation of something fucking really wild that could happen even to me that's like a crazy discount on consoles or you know at this point who knows what they would try and do i'm just curious to see it seems like there'll be a a console price drop just because like a bunch of sales have been happening over the last week or so i noticed that i also noticed that uh i think starting today they started doing a one dollar sale or something on xbox live so i thought maybe xbox live was going away but now i'm not so sure i don't think xbox live is going away i think that some stuff is going to change in a way that will seem pretty fundamental yeah i guess i just thought that they were going to try and maybe make it to where you could play a live on live f- multiplayer for free. And then they were just going to try and push us all into being games pass customers, you know? But yeah, I think that they'll, they're, they'll incentivize like Xbox live and ga- and games pass might be part of that. Um, yeah. but it's hard to say. And I know that we've talked about this before because I guess like the giant bomb guys went into a little more detail than I was comfortable going into, but, yeah, I, I think that there will be 
some fairly big Xbox Live developments at the show. Um, yeah, I definitely feel like those guys got to come out swinging. That's for sure. I mean, so, maybe, but we've talked about this a little bit before. It's nothing they do now is going to turn this generation around. It's true. Like, it's just not... The snowball is too big. Like, it's already at the bottom of the hill. Um, womp womp. That's, it is a sad but true way of saying it. And honestly, I think that they're thinking of um, next generation, despite the dumb things that Yves Guillemot may say occasionally to reporters about the end of consoles. Well, he was saying that next generation would be the last. So if you imagine that being like two more years of this and then seven years of that in nine years, you don't think there could be no infrastructure like that? No. That makes me sad. I don't. I don't feel like infrastructure around this country has particularly improved outside of major metropolitan areas. Like, lots of places only it, have what's considered broadband because the FCC has yeah. lowered the definition of what broadband is. Yeah, I guess it's we get a little bit of a bubble effect here. Yeah, as, as far as what's capable. Um, and a lot of those places where infrastructure sucks are still pretty big, like markets for video games. So. It just doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Like, and also, selling hardware ties consumer interest to your product as opposed to making things available for everyone all the time. Like, it just selling hardware makes sense. So. Yeah. Although I get with I get that like, Fortnite has been massively successful because people can play it on whatever they're playing it on. I think that's been part of it. Yeah, but that doesn't help. Microsoft or something. No, 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 no. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you can see that Sony believes that because they continue to refuse to allow crossplay. Yeah. Like until everyone offers crossplay with everyone else, like there's just like clearly too many, too much incentive to wall things off and want to walk people into your ecosystem. I, yeah, it does make me a little sad that we'll probably... The one thing that's probably true is we'll probably never see another handheld generation of hardware. Like, the... I don't know that we'll ever see another DS. I mean, the I Switch know. is kind of that, but we're like, we'll certainly never see another Sony handheld, I bet. I, yeah. I don't know that that's true. I think that Sony maybe sees the success of the Switch and thinks, well, why not us? Like, what can we learn from that? Like, how can we do that? I would love for that to be true. And I mean, I don't know that it's going to work or that it's going to happen, but I think that they're probably thinking about it. Like, it makes yeah. sense that they think about it. Well, they have made crazier hardware decisions before in the past, so I would that would be something that I would I personally would like to see, just because I like handheld stuff. Even if I end up buying it a lot of times and being kind of disappointed with a lot of the games. But, I mean, I mean you just... It's not just handheld, so you buy pretty much everything i just like hardware there's true like even that atari thing when they made that gofundme i did not put money on that but i will say that like or I'm not their gofundme their whatever it is but i i looked at it and i was just like ah oh, hardware is cool but no 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 so but yeah it's just I, I do i do get a little bit of that hardware thing i actually just bought an xbox one s as well because it was so cheap did you yeah, just so I actually bought one a one S because it was really cheap, and that way I could have one out in my garage, and have that one in my house, and just my old ass Xbox out here in the garage. So, 
I only have. Can't believe you didn't just get an X. It was like two hundred dollars more, and I don't have a four K TV. How much was the S? Uh, it was two. Well, it would have been one hundred fifty more. That's true. For the cheapest I've seen it, it would have been one hundred fifty bucks. You're gonna be really mad if they drastically lower the price of the S at E three. I I might be, but I also don't have a four K TV, and so I was like, you know, I'll just get this one terabyte white thing and have it, and it'll be all right. So, and I thought maybe, just maybe, if a PVZ three or some other game that my wife wants to play, I was like, maybe I can convince her to side by side TVs with me. I think actually she brought it up. There were job listings like for EA Canada and Vancouver about Plants vs Zombies. Weren't there like for console development? Yeah, Mitch Dyer tweeted them out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's it. Seems obviously seems like that is something that's going to happen. Yeah, it's just a whether. I imagine it'll be this generation. It'll probably be one of those games that comes out towards the end of this generation, which we're is fine. At, we're towards the end of this generation. Well, that's what I mean. So it'll be one of those games that comes out like at the very end, you know. So. I really feel like next Christmas is going to be not this not this coming Christmas this coming Christmas I say it's June uh, not the Christmas of 2018 but Christmas of 2019 feels like it'll be the swan song for these consoles oh yeah, yeah but if we're lucky then maybe when the Xbox 2 or whatever it is comes out we'll be able to play plants on that yeah I think that I mean it would be nuts to me if uh, it doesn't seem like they plan on taking games away yeah, with their current be, way of would, thinking. It would be nuts to me if like all of the games that you can currently play on Xbox One did not work on the next Xbox. Um, but you've been playing new video games. I have not hopped into the world of blood sucking yet. A a new video game. A yeah, new video game. But I'd say it's the biggest one this week for sure. It's the one that I've seen everyone kind of being like, "What the fuck is that?" Because it just a it it looks really interesting when you see it. And B, it's also like, this is from the guys who made Life is Strange? Like, it's just... I mean, it's also the same people that made Remember Me. Uh, Oh, right. I just Um, now remembered Remember Me. (laughs) Did you you review that? I feel like you did. I did. I did, and I liked it. It was with qualifications. Um, Vampire... I guess it's Vampire. I don't know if it's supposed to be Vampire, but uh, Vampire is... Vampire is a focus home interactive game. Okay. It is very much a focus home interactive game. And if you played other focus home interactive games, that should help you set your expectations, I think. Yeah. Um, like, games that Focus Home Interactive has published include the Sticks games, uh, the Space Hulk Deathwing PC games, uh, fucking... Blood Bowl 2. Right. Games that have some interesting things to them, but definitely feel a little lacking of polish. Yeah, janky as fuck is another way to put it. Yeah, um, okay. Like they did the Surge as well. Games with good ideas, but really inconsistent execution. Um, and Vampire fits that shit to a T. Um, mm. Like... The most interesting thing about Vampire that I've seen so far is that it's full of NPCs to talk to, and and as you do, you're sort of building up these relationship trees and sort of, like, finding their social circles and, like, interconnecting characters to other characters. 
and when you're in conversations, you can see that there are options that are locked behind a hint, which is something that you can get from that character in a conversation or from another character in a, in a conversation or like a note or something you might find in the world, like some piece of information. Um, and so once you do that, you see a blue option in the conversation that you can further explore. Um, and so you have to talk to people and explore the world to sort of learn more about these people. And as you talk to people, they'll give you hints about other characters to ask about. And it's sort of like fleshing out your, your understanding of the world that you're in. Um, and it's, it's kind of mass effecty, but it doesn't feel like there's as much decision making. Like you're not, there are decisions to be made, but it feels much less common to be, to make sort of like important decisions via dialogue so far. Um, I'm only like three or four hours in, like I'm near the end of the second chapter. And have um, you killed many people? Uh, I haven't killed any humans yet okay. other okay. than vampire hunters. Uh, so, the way that this game works as far as progression is that there's an experience system and you get points for doing things and points uh, for finding things and completing missions. Um, you can also get points for embracing uh, NPCs, which is to feed on their blood. And I don't know if it turns them. I doubt it. Um, so if you embrace someone and they're gone from the story, it can affect like their social circles and other people around them and the boroughs that they're in. Um, like merchant prices might go up or the, the area might descend into chaos and there might be more like feral vampires around to fight. So is it, a, is a, it sounds like it then is, is there any positive benefits to eating a person? Like it sounds like all negative. it gives you a hell of a lot of experience. Like often multiple levels worth of experience. Like some of them, it's like you get 6,000 XP for feeding on this person. That's like six levels. Mm. Um, and part of that is like determined by their health. Like if they're sick, you're a doctor. So you can like figure out treatments for them and give it to them. And that heals them. And then if you feed on them, they're worth more experience. Um, and so that stuff is all actually fairly interesting and sort of like peeling back the layers of this world and talking to people and exploring it. That's really interesting. Um, and, and I like that. And I like sort of exploring the sort of like world war one London, um, which feels not unique, but distinctive. Um, and, and so that's fine. Like, that's all fine. That's something that is like worth getting into in this game. It's something that not a lot of other games are doing. Right. Um, and some of the delivery is a little, little off, but generally it's been fine. Um, the characters are interesting and varied. Like there's one woman who you diagnose with a mental disorder that is absolutely positive that she's a vampire. Um, and stuff like that. And they fold in the idea that you are a doctor. Like that's like a key component of the narrative and like the way that you talk and the way that you engage with people. I imagine that's how you also get into these situations where you can be alone with people and stuff like that too. Like, yeah, you can mesmerize people if you have a high enough level in it, like a high enough level above their level of resistance and sort of lead them somewhere isolated and feed on them. Uh, so yeah, so that's fine. Um, it's playing it. That is less fine. Um, I'm sort of writing some of these thoughts down uh, at some point uh, to to publish somewhere. Um, But like there's all this interesting stuff with conversations and 
it doesn't start with any of that. Like, the game starts with you running through these alleys, fleeing these vampire hunters and having to fight them. And that all of that is what this game sucks at the most. Like, Are, are people well aware that there are vampires, like, commoners? Like, or no. is it like, okay, okay, okay. But there's, there are, like, secret societies with, like, adversarial purposes. Like, there's a brotherhood that, like, studies vampires and wants to coexist with them. Although they will, like, put out, like, a... a sanction against vampires that are too dangerous and like exterminate them sure. and there's like a brotherhood of vampires who exist solely to to kill all vampires um which is all interesting like that's all like good sort of like clean world building but uh but you have to sort of move around this world in a third person way and the camera is bad um the controls feel very sluggish. I'm playing on Xbox One X, so the frame rate is like a very solid 30, but it just feels like there's a lot of latency in them. And uh, Jonathan Reed is the character you're playing. Reed's feet just don't seem to ever comfortably hit the ground and like really like feel like you're part of the environment in a way that feels natural. Um, and the fighting is just terrible. Like it, it feels. You're the second person to tell me that. It feels pretty mashy. Um, you get additional abilities to use in combat, but all of them take blood and your blood reserves are fairly low. Uh, I have not yet found a reliable way to bite people to get blood back, Hmm. um, in combat. Uh, although I did get a weapon that's like basically like a glorified syringe that I can attack them with and gain blood that way. (laughs) Um, but, uh, I feel like some the combat and remember me wasn't particularly loved either. The combat and remember me was interesting was because you were sort of like programming combos. That's right. Like you would, would determine like what your combat capabilities were and the way the combat would work. And that was, that was a, a fairly well-developed system. Um, and in this, like very few of the systems feel developed at all. And I feel like, that kind of feels like a focus home interactive staple that they're games that are full of these half baked ideas or, and like that can be charitable. Sometimes they're like a quarter or not baked at all ideas. Um, and it feels like a game full of like half baked ideas and implementation of these ideas. And it's really a bummer because it's sort of undermining. It not only undermines what the game is good at, like it makes me dread running into combat situations uh, because I would rather just not fight. I'd rather explore the world and talk to people and sort of figure out the mysteries of it. And fighting just feels like a distraction from what the game actually is good at. Um, and I, it just makes this terrible first impression because it starts with a bunch of running around the world in combat. like, And it's bad. Like, it's so bad. I could see someone spending five or ten minutes with this game and just quitting. Hmm. Um Oh, in a lot of ways, the game looks really dated. Like, it looks cheap. Um, Even ignoring the fact that a lot of it is just corridors and very, like, narrow streets and scenery, and clearly you can't go to a lot of places. Um, It just feels cheap. Uh, The main character, it looks okay, and some of the characters look okay, but a lot of the lighting is just, like, terrible, and it's just... In a lot of ways, it feels like this sort of budgety kind of release from a company that is known for kind of B tier <laughs> or C tier budget games. Um, yeah, but it's a sixty dollars game. 
Yeah. Uh, so it just starts the worst way possible. Um, like it could not get off to a worse start trying to explain what the game is good at, what you want to be doing, what you should be doing. Um, like it, it reminds me of stuff like, uh, fuck, I had this game title and I lost it. Alpha protocol. Uh, alpha protocol is a game that a lot of people really liked because of like these crazy conversation decisions that you made and like the conversation system and all this stuff, despite the fact that the actual gameplay was kind of garbage. Um, and I feel like part of that is here as well. Uh, like you can make decisions that, that kill characters. And sometimes you don't think that you're killing characters, but it will kill a character, um, and sort of lock things off to you. Uh, and it auto saves, there's not a save system. So there's no really good way to sort of like deliberate on certain actions and make the choice that you want to. It's interesting. It doesn't tell you, I don't know. It doesn't, there's no like, boo, this is going to be the critical choice moment or something just because that's some of what life is strange would do. Yeah. And it really, it, it doesn't really do that. And, and to its detriment, I feel like, I feel like there are times where you can lock something off and there's not really an indication that that's what it's going to do because it's like mass effect in that, like you're picking these conversation prompts uh, and it doesn't totally explain your tone or what it's saying or what, or the, the consequences of what it's going to do. And it's not hard to sort of slam a door shut by accident, not realizing that that's what the game wanted to do. And if the game felt more organic about its conversation system, that would make more sense to me that like you would lock things off and never know about it. But the very nature of the conversation system, like it shows you that there are locked away conversation prompts that you can't do until you find the right hint. And when you're talking with other people or with someone, sometimes you'll pick a conversation option and it'll tell you that you failed a hint, like with someone else that you can no longer get that hint. Um, and it's really annoying. Like, so you fail a hint, even though it wasn't like it prompted you, like a hint is in this conversation to be found or something like that. Yeah. Or Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it doesn't, like in Mass Effect, when you're in the conversation, it feels like you're making choices, like you're making decisions about the way that you want things to go down. And sometimes there will be unexpected consequences, but you have a rough idea of what's going to happen with the decisions you're making. And in this it feels like it ranges from consequences, I say with air quotes, to just flat out like punishment hmm. for the, the the conversation options you're picking in a way that it doesn't it doesn't feel clearly articulated that that's what's going to happen. And in a game like this, it just feels punitive, like to do it that way, um, or maybe like trying to force people to play it more than once to actually get stuff the way that they want it. Um, so yeah, I, I think that I would be able to live with that more. Like I would, I would feel a little less animosity toward that if the act of playing the game didn't feel like such a chore. Um, <laughs> and the way that the experience system works is that you get some points here and there for doing stuff and like fighting and, and that kind of shit. But by far the fastest way to level up and like do the most stuff is to kill people. And so if you don't kill people, the game gets a lot harder 
because it does not take much to run into enemies who have a bar above their head that shows that they're like 14 levels above you or 10 levels above you or five levels above you. And all of those are very difficult fights to take. I see. So it's like it wants, it almost sounds like it's trying to like force the quote, like difficult choice of which of these humans am I going to kill? Yeah. Yeah. It really, it wants to punish you if you're not hunting people. Yeah. It's just a truck dragging a trailer outside of my window. I thought that it was a low flying jet at first. Uh, but it sounds like a giant shopping cart now that it's right by my, by my window. Um, so basically like if I don't want to be fucking miserable playing it, then I'm going to have to kill some people. Yeah. And I don't want to do that. Like that's not the decision that I want to make. There's not even like some like character they introduce. It's like, Oh, that asshole's like, my Dexter, no, my Dexter equivalent, where I can I kill think him and it, I feel bad. It probably will at some point. And there was a suggestion with a character, the first character I meet, where it teaches you about the embrace system. Like, you can embrace that character or you can spare them. And I spared them, and I talked to them again. And like, the team does like a pretty reasonable job of fleshing people out into something more than just a caricature. Like, they have motivations and sort of emotions and. And I sympathize with a lot of them and I don't, it just makes me like not want to sort of arbitrarily feed on people. Yeah. Um, is there any sort of consequence for not feeding like, you know, like vampires and other than the game just being hard? I don't know. Okay. Not that I've seen so far. You don't get, there isn't the option to like, uh, feed on a vampire hunter and like get there. Like you can stun them in certain cases and they'll be weak for a second and you can, you can feed on them then. Okay. But it's just like a quick bite. It's not a lot. Uh, okay, you can also okay. eat rats that you find uh, because, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so the like playing it and now being in a different place in the industry and having like talked to developers at this point about like stuff in their game and how to sort of like maybe help find its identity. Like the thing that kind of flabbergasts me is that there is not like a really functional stealth system in the game. Um, and it really feels like there should have been, like, I don't know why there wasn't, um, there's an ability you can get at level 12 that lets you sort of turn into smoke and walk past things until your stamina bar runs out. But the cooldown on that initially is like a minute. Hmm. So like you can walk past these things like a block of enemies and then hide in an alley or something for a minute for it to come back up and then do it again. But that feels just super tedious. Like yeah. it's not a stealth system with any hint of reward. Um, and I just don't, I just don't understand. I don't understand why there's not a stealth system in this game other yeah. than them just not feeling like they have time or the expertise. Yeah. Like, or it sounds like almost like they want you to just do more like brute, force hand-to-hand combating or something maybe i don't know which it's just it's just so bad like at least if there was like a a functional stealth system would feel like well stealth is an option and if i didn't want to fight these these things or these people like i i could have snuck past them like if i'm fighting them then that's a different story and like i am making the choice to suffer through the combat in the game instead of sneaking around like that is the way that stuff like Thief worked. That is how like the Hitman games work. That's how Splinter Cell works. That's how Dishonored works. Like, and this game feels kind of like it's drawing from some of that Ion Storm stuff in addition to everything else that it's drawing from. But it doesn't sort of give 
that alternate strategy, like the only strategy that it really wants you to be able to consider, it seems from my time with it so far is like how you want to kill people. Like, do you want to do it from far away? Do you want to do it up close? Um, and it's just not, it's not satisfying to me. It feels like a chore. Um, to the point where I'm interested in the, in the game and I want to see where the story goes, but like playing it is just not, not fun where I am right now. Hmm. It's a bummer. I feel like that game, a lot of people had high hopes for it ever since its original announcement, just cause yeah. it seems kind of weird for the studio and different it just seems and- really unfortunate that, that it couldn't be more, um, and maybe it maybe it improves. Like I don't want to write it off, and I don't want people to write it off completely based on what I'm saying right now because I haven't yet. But there just there really feels like there are so many sort of missed opportunities for what it could do to sort of emphasize what it's good at, as opposed to constantly inflicting what it's terrible at. Um. So yeah, I just it's a bummer. I still plan on trying it. Yeah, I yeah. mean it's. It looks pretty good on Xbox One X, all things considered. Like, I think it's running at 4K. It's very, very smooth. Um, I imagine it'll run just fine on your PC, which is where you'll probably play it. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's where I'll try. But yeah, it's just you know, I'll keep chipping away at it for a little bit longer. I just don't know if I'll finish because so far there's so many things that want, seem like they're getting in the way of the fun. Um. Yeah, that's a game that like this. It, they, I guess they kind of released it a good time, just because there wasn't much going on. But I feel like give it a couple of days from now, and it's just gonna be lost. But uh, all right. Well, what have you been playing? I played this that game. I don't know if you saw it. That game is called Yoku's Island Express. It, it came uh, out on Switch and PC, and it's like a game. Is that the pinball type? Game. Yeah, yeah, you're a little beetle. You look kind of like a dung, like a cute, cute take on a dung beetle, and you're rolling a ball with you everywhere, and you have to like deliver it. And the first guy you meet is a mailman, and he like designates you as a mailman and starts giving you quests. And it's side scrolling, and as you're this little beetle pushing around the ball, what ends up happening is you'll see blue and yellow platforms, and those map to the triggers so that you can actually play it like a pinball game. Except these pinball paddles and stuff like that are all over the map, and you get into these very obviously created pinball tables just kind of put into the middle of the map and then but they're so well integrated that you'll be doing that for like a few seconds hit a really cool combo actually light things up like you would in a pinball table and stuff and get rewards and then all of a sudden you're back to like platforming in some other crazy area and they all interconnect so well that so far everything i've done in that game is one map i can go back to the earliest pinball thing or do whatever and it's all just one continuous level. So the level design in it is pretty out of this world. A lot of people have said that it's a lot like a game called Sonic Spinball, which I never played, um, which I guess was the same sort of principle, Sonic running hmm. side-scrolling in pinball. Interesting. So, But it's a, it's a really cute side-scrolling game. Uh, I'm not a big enough pinball fan to want to sit there and spend you know, hours and hours with it. I thought it was a neat little novelty, but I didn't find it was ultimately for me. But if like pinball, like if you're the type of person that can play those classic pinball releases and stuff like that, and also likes platforming games, like this is like the dream. It's like a beautiful game with like delightful audio and it's cute and feels a lot like a old rare, like a game that rare would have made or something like that. Or it feels actually the art and stuff reminds me a lot of the newer Rayman 
games. Hmm. Like so. the Ubi art engine yes. stuff? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think it has a lot of promise. It's just I don't love pinball enough to really want to sink that time. Um, but a game that I did sink a shit ton of time into is this game called Trailmakers that's in early access. And someone had just pointed it out to me because I like Kerbal Space Program. And it's basically, mm-hmm. it is in many ways a spiritual successor to Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. And hmm. it has a campaign mode that is like a work in progress. They have like a, probably I'd say like 40 to 50% of it done. And then there's a sandbox mode. And just like Banjo-Kazooie, you get, you play the campaign and as you go, you unlock, you collect bolts and you are unlocking parts. And then you'll like see a part that's like up high. And the only way you're going to be able to get it is to basically go into build mode right there and fucking see about trying to put on a combo of the new tires or create a propeller or somehow make yourself fly or float in the water. And it's, it actually just feels like a really good take on that style game. You can build, I've built hovercrafts that can then take off into flight. I've built a recreation of an airship. Um, I've built a pod racer. I've, and you, and you can really get into the nitty gritty, at least on, uh, for PC with, the the controls where you can designate like, any button to do specific inputs on specific motors. So I could trigger just my left thrusters with one key and my right thrusters with another key so that I could actually turn it or fire retro thrusters with a different key. And so if you want to get into the nitty gritty of really thinking about the mechanics of how your machine works, whether that's like activating pistons at a certain time or activating a machine that just rotates in a circle, you can really create pretty impressively elaborate machines and they've done a really good job of integrating it with the steam workshop where you can do it all from within the game see like the most upvoted things and bring them into your own game really easy so i've like flown a millennium falcon that was really difficult to fly i've seen transforming vehicles i've driven a wally i've driven the fucking tumbler from batman just all the stuff that people take are these okay so people are making these and sharing them 100 percent, yeah and and then but the cool thing is if you bring it into your game you could it just like a banjo kazooie creation that one of your friends had you can immediately take it now you can start editing it yourself and then save your creation and i mean it really does feel like if you've played banjo kazooie nuts and bolts and you can remember what it was like this is like immediately familiar to that with it maybe not as endearing of a character but like these guys were blatantly uh inspired by that are there so are there levels like proper levels to sort of navigate or is it just yeah, like a it's, playground? It's one big the the campaign takes place in one gigantic map, but there are very clearly like challenge areas within that map where it's like the part is up there and you have to like I literally had to make a vehicle at one point that could basically do like a a board slide like a skateboard would. So I made a machine that had to extend its arm up with pistons that could wrap around something and I could slide down this fucking rail and collect the parts as I rolled down like. There's pretty elaborate and cool challenges. And if you're at all like a mechanically inclined tinkery person that is that gets their joy out of failing repeatedly but making like minute improvements to your design until you finally get it right, like this is for you. Like I had a blast the other day spending uh, way too long just trying to figure out how to make a motorcycle. And and you can't play the campaign with other people, but you can play in a sandbox with other people. And just in that we were having a blast, like trying to make pod racers and then going to the racetrack there and just racing them on our own or seeing who could make the best tank because there are guns. And 
you know, just blowing each other up. There's no consequences to any of it. It's just kind of hilarious. And part of it was like a learning experience. Like I never realized that helicopters had a tail rotor because if a helicopter doesn't have a tail rotor, all it does is torques and spins in a circle like an insane machine. So yeah. my, my first attempt at building a helicopter was bad. It's a good thing you weren't the right brothers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and yes, now I've, I've learned a lot about how planes work and stuff like, I mean, it's, in a very video gamey sense, but if sure, you're, but like the basic concepts, yes, there. about lift and how to balance the weight and stuff like that, and but I really do feel like it's like one of those games that's like, in many ways, just like Minecraft, the fun is like doing the campaign is fun, but going to a sandbox and just being like, what am I going to try and make today is like really, really, really so much fun, and so I often go in there and just give myself some very specific goal i want to try and make a functional x-wing and that turns out that's like next to impossible so you know i'm sure there are people out there smarter than me that can do it but yeah it's just it's a really cool game for that and i i norm i have a hard time recommending a lot of early access games because a lot of times when i check them out they're really fucking early but that one i found was was really cool um uh, let's see. Did I check out anything else that we haven't already talked about a bajillion times? I don't, I don't think so. Oh, wait, I did try out, I did try out that, uh, that game that just came out. Uh, that narrows it down. Hold on. I just have to look up. It's a free to play game. It's early access. Gross. Gross. Everything I'm saying, just making you sad. Um, it's fine. Why why is it so hard to find this? Is it on Steam? It is on Steam. Just see what you have installed on your computer. Weirdly, it's, it's both not a app- blessing and a curse that we are in front of our computers doing this. So it's not it's not appearing in my here. recent list. That's the funny thing. Uh, so look at installed. Uh I played it I played it at work briefly. Oh, well. Ah, uh, there we go. That that's that high res game, Realm Royale. That just came out. That was oh like high res's attempt at adapting the uh, Paladins game into a battle royale mode, and I'll say that it is it is pretty different in the sense that like in the same way that Fortnite and Battlegrounds are not the same thing, this is definitely not the same thing as those games because it's like a weird combination of like World of Warcraft because you could actually ride horses and stuff and it looks like fucking wow when you're doing that, but it is a third person battle royale game where you pick the class that you want to be, you drop into the world. And combat is almost entirely melee when you first start. And then you start finding guns. You can only have two guns equipped. And the interesting couple hooks I've seen about it is that when you kill people, they drop their gear they're wearing so you can put on their armor, or you can break it down into shards, and then you can use those shards to craft, like, the class you picked. You might have picked a warrior, you might have picked a hunter, and you don't get, like, the hunter's bow until you've killed people and taken some gear and broken down their shards and then went to a forge and let the let the forge actually make your class weapon. So you don't start with it by default. You have to forge it. When you're forging it, it's really loud, and other players can hear it. It actually, huh. it actually, in some ways, feels like it draws from some of the stuff that Radical Heights was doing. Um, and when you, it, it, mostly, it's not that unique because it's like you've played battle royale games. You, I kind of, you kind of have a good idea what to expect. Except in this, unlike Battlegrounds or Fortnite, when you get shot, you don't go down. You turn into a chicken. And when you turn into a chicken, you can run around, but you can't attack, and your guy just makes little bok bok sounds. And 
you can't be revived either. So when when someone is downed, it, regardless of whether their teammate is up, it takes thirty seconds. And if they have, if you can protect them for thirty seconds, or they can just hide for thirty seconds, they will come back again. So when you go into chicken mode, you guys just have to fucking hide. Like I watched a video today of someone that was two v one versus someone, and the one guy chickened both of them, and he, he still had to kill the chickens to finish the match. I don't know. It's it, you know this is just like one of many like. I feel like we are obviously already in the glut of battle royale modes at this point, but yeah, everyone is just trying to latch on before the last car is completely out of the station. Yes, exactly. And they're doing things that are like, it's just different enough to like try and make it work for them. But Um, the one that I've seen people on my steam list signing on to in, in the last few days is totally accurate battlegrounds. Oh, I've heard that game's like a, a troll game. <laughs> I couldn't really accurate battlegrounds. It has like six thousand reviews, and they are very positive. It looks like Gang Beasts meets Battlegrounds. God damn it! All right, I'm gonna have to check it out. That right there is like the one liner that I'm like, all right. I'm always willing to check these out. The thing is, is that. The pl- I never realized, I mean, obviously I know player count is important, but I didn't realize by the time I jumped into Battlegrounds, it was already becoming popular. And I never had to wait more than like 30 seconds to find a match. And now I've noticed even with this Realms Royale ra- game, I sometimes have to wait like a minute and a half, two minutes. And I'm like, that's, it, it's crazy. That's I know. too long. Exactly. But it feels like it's too long. A minute and a half, two minutes. I sent you the link to the store page. You can see the trailer. It's very weird. Um, there are frying pans. Yeah, that game looks. Oh my god. Okay, well, it looks directly at my alley. So yeah, it it definitely looks. <laughs> there's it's, googly eyes on the characters. It's my. Shit. It is definitely my kind of stupid. It really does look like like gang beast type thing, except for like low poly. It's weird. <laughs> it's oh my god. Weird. Um, is it a VR game? I don't think so. Huh. It's pretty neat, man. Uh, Okay, it's not VR. It just looks VR to me. Originally made as an April Fool's parody of the Battle Royale genre in the game Totally Accurate Battle Simulator. Okay. Um, Yeah, I'll have to check that out. But yeah, I just feel like... It's weird that I don't know. It just feels weird that there isn't more room for more battle royale games right now. It feels like, but it's just I don't know if or if or if I just played so much of one that I just don't care as much anymore, or I can't be bothered to get into another. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like if Dota three came out right now, Dota three made by Valve, is that even something that you'd be interested in switching to a new Dota? Or is I don't it like, think that I would have the choice. They would just upgrade Dota. Mm, that's a fair point because that's what they've done essentially like truly true dota is not this yeah it's not the same game as when you started Hmm. that's fair yeah i guess i just don't know if i can be bothered to really like all these battleground games and stuff that i see i'm like these are all novel but yeah i I mean i i pay attention from a distance like i try to sort of like pick up on what the zeitgeist is for that stuff but it's not I don't know. Yeah. It's not for me. And you just really have to have a player base that 
can really sustain you. And I feel like so many games now, I go and look at their player base like a month out, and I'm like, this game is like already dead. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is why it's it continues to be funny to me when I read about people talking about like how PUBG failed or PUBG died, and it's like it it didn't do either of those things. Yeah, I know. People are like it. I guess that's one of those things where it's like, you know, I'm saying you have to like it or enjoy it anymore. Anthony, I'm just saying, no, I'm just saying that like, it reminds me when people were like, Oh wow. I was in trouble. Cause it lost, you know, 30% of subscriber numbers. And I'm like, it still has several million subscribers. Like, yes, that does suck. And that's definitely something I know they're paying attention to, but it's not like the game isn't dead. It's yeah. just like, battleground still has hundreds of thousands upon hundreds of thousands of people that log in to play it every day millions it's still above like a million pretty sure yeah so it's like at this point even if they are a number two to fortnite they are still obscenely successful like that game is still uh like number five or something in the global top sellers on steam so yeah also there are currently fifty thousand people playing it and 1.5 million at some point today uh, there are also currently 40,000 people playing the experimental server. Yeah. More people are playing the pub experimental server than are playing Warframe, Team Fortress 2, or Grand Theft Auto 5. That's, that's crazy talk. Um, and test server and standard server combined, uh, it's 101,000 people online playing pub right now, which is more than any game on steam except for counter-strike and dota it's more people than, than are playing siege yeah it's more people than are playing and, path of exile and, and to put that siege thing in perspective siege just had its huge update today wait so. wait so there are fifty-three thousand people playing the pub test server yeah forty-eight thousand playing just uh, pub, <laughs> and forty thousand playing the pub experimental server <laughs> So there are more than 140,000 people playing pub right now. Yeah. So shut the fuck up, people who are saying this game is dead, because Jesus Christ. No. And I know plenty of people who still play that game every day on Xbox. Yeah. So I I think that Battlegrounds will be around for quite, quite, quite a while. Um, It was interesting this week. Uh, there was a primary election in california yes um, and so i went to go vote which was kind of a pain in the ass because they changed my polling place which used to be a block from my house which is the first place that you and i voted when we moved here it's an old folks home like on on uh on alice oh uh, okay yeah 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 Yeah, we drove around the lake to find it in that's right 2008 to vote for obama that's right um so they moved it down by Whole Foods, which is a, a bit away. So I walk down there and go vote, which is a pain in the ass. And I stop by Whole Foods to grab some food afterwards. And this is around like four o'clock. So after summer school or whatever has let, lit out. Mm-hmm. And the area where you can sit down and eat the food that you buy, uh, there's this one table that's got like 14 kids at it. And all of them are watching like Fortnite or pub streams. <laughs> or playing Fortnite on their phone. Or like... And some of them are charging their phones off of one person's laptop. Oh, jeez. Uh, and one of the kids is fucking watching Dr. Disrespect play pub or Fortnite. 
Um, it's just like, this is so weird. It is a, so weird. It, it actually makes me think we got this email from Aaron and he says, uh, this has been mentioned in the past, but I can't believe esports players still go by 90 hacker pseudonyms. I'm a lifelong adult gamer and can't get over how childish and corny it seems. I can't even imagine how wildly infantilizing it must look to outsiders. Nicknames are to be earned, not self-applied. Gr- it is, but to us, to older people, it can seem that way. But to these kids who are growing up with it, no, I bet you they don't even know that Ninja's first name is Tyler. They're just like that. I the- think with Ninja they know. Yeah, okay, maybe some of them, but it's like a lot of these and people. And they would like, know that like PewDiePie is Felix. Like I don't remember Shroud's first name, but I know who Shroud is. Right. Like, you know, it's yeah. You know, handles, not names. Yeah, and um, I I think that that's kind of weird to older people, but I don't know that it, that's going to be the same to like the kids at the table you saw, you know. Yeah, I don't know. It's like I feel like Facebook kind of got people into using their real names, and I see a lot of real names on Discord. Yeah, that's true. And I did um, I I switched a lot of my PlayStation ones to real names. But yeah, I I do think that there's still like that handle mentality that's weird. Um one thing I did want to tell you that's Dota related, but not explicitly about playing the game uh-huh. that relates to a conversation we had last week. So the final uh, big Dota tournament before TI is happening right now. Yes. Uh, and in the meantime, Valve has announced the plans for next year's Dota Pro Circuit, which is like the thing that people compete in to get points to get directly invited to the to TI. Uh, the biggest change is that Dota Pro Circuit points belong to teams. And if someone leaves, they don't take points with them. Or if they get kicked, they don't take points with them. Okay. But if so, if, a, if a member leaves, then that team loses 20% of their DPC points. Right. So they are more closely associating the league with teams as opposed to players. Okay. Like and they're that. also they're removing the the trade deadlines and cutoffs. Oh shit! Removing it. Yeah. So that means people will just be able to make like last minute trades and stuff. Yeah, but they'll sacrifice a shitload of points. Oh right, right, right. So then, if you did do a last minute trade, you'd have a shit ton of points to make up. Yeah. Hmm. That kind of makes things a little bit exciting. Yeah, it's it's interesting. They're also changing the way that miners and majors work like minors come first and the winner of a minor gets to compete in the accompanying major at this point should is it pretty obvious who's going to ti now uh it's actually it's in flux right now like it depends on what happens at the at the the china super major that's happening right now i see but there isn't like a at this point they haven't sent out like oh here's the invitees or anything no but there's like seven teams that have like there, there's a top seven, and there's like this aggressive competition for the last spot. And I'm sure I've asked this before, but at Dota tournaments, there is no like straight invitee, right? It's not like because some tournaments that like ESL do and stuff like that, you cannot qualify in at all. It's not even based on points. It's literally just that you are a popular team, and we have invited you. You will have a season. That used table. to be the way that TI worked. Like the okay. for a big chunk of the invites, there were direct invites. Okay. Where Valve would sort of decide like who the strongest teams were and invite them, and then everyone else went through qualifiers. But now, since they have this year-round tournament thing with scores, it can be yeah. much more efficient and fair. Yeah, that's cool. And they had like policies like if you trade at a specific time, then you're disqualified from a direct invite. Man, I wonder how much money can be made now at Dota 
with all these tournaments, these majors know. and minors and stuff now. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's crazy. But I think that you'd be interested to hear that after the conversation. Last oh, week. totally. I, I think I'll probably still watch TI. I usually watch TI live every year. If for nothing else, other than I think that Dota tends to get some of the best announcers and, yeah, and, 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 and the show of it is just fun to watch. I wonder, I wonder what the, what the talent will be this year. I've actually been thinking about starting to watch even day nine because what's the guy that's coaching day nine. I mean, uh, purge purge. I find purge to be a very watchable person when he's you're fun. watching it. And he's just very good at, especially with the day nine stuff at explaining it for people like me. So I find that very cool. Um, I wanted to read another email. It was a, it's a show response from last time. All right. It's from Brian. He says last week, you were all wondering about what the E3 experience is like for the public. He says, I was able to attend E3 2017 because I was one of the lucky few that won a free ticket from a giveaway on the official PlayStation blog. E3 was more or less what I expected it to be, even though it was my first year attending the show proper. I remember not being able to get into the demos of popular Sony franchises or stuff like Destiny 2 because they made you register using an app on your phone where cellular service was terrible inside the convention center and time slots would fill up almost instantly. The waiting lines for some game demos were ridiculously long and made me feel like I was at Six Flags. Uh, my highlights from the show were getting to play Dragon Ball Fighter Z and Yakuza 6 for the first time and beating 8-man dungeon trial for the first time in the upcoming Final Fantasy 14. It took me a second yeah. to read those Roman numerals. Yeah. Uh, Stormblood and expansion and winning a cool t-shirt. 2017 felt like a pretty low-key and slightly disappointing year for E3 overall. Uh, I thought it was cool from his over yeah, here. I heard but some people while I was there complain about it being a little boring, but... Uh, he says, I'm glad I got to go and experience it, but I definitely would have been a little bummed out if I had actually purchased a ticket, considering how expensive, disorganized, and crowded the whole event was, and even more so if I was attending from out of state and had to cover traveling expenses. I'm lucky to only be about 45-minute drive away from L.A. Convention Center here in Southern California. It felt like last year was a testing ground for letting the general public in E3, and here's to hoping they do a better job of it this time around. I'm definitely looking forward to E3 this year, even though I won't be attending in person. All right. Yeah, I mean, all that's true. It was, it I've, was a pilot, and I've also never seen a E3 where, or that for that matter, I've never attended a gaming convention where cell phones were like reliable. I just, I haven't really had problems with my cell phone at E3, but I also have Verizon, and a lot of people have AT and T. I also have. To be fair, I haven't been to an E3 since twenty th- two thousand thirteen. So I'm sure it's much better now than it was then. Yeah, it's weird. This will be the fifth E3 that I haven't gone to. So too busy making games. Too busy, yeah, making games and and not having a game that's ready for anything around the time of E3. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's a tough world out there, man. For for game making, I feel like. <laughs> I just feel like discoverability is just increasingly a problem. It's a nightmare, and Steam now saying that they're just going to put everything up and fuck it is doesn't bode well. Yeah, and I feel like uh, it doesn't matter if you're making like a sequel to a popular franchise or if you're making like a brand new game from like you can have the fucking biggest names attached to it. It just still doesn't mean that people are going to know about it. I don't know. It's it's just 
a weird world with so many games coming out all the time. Like, I actually didn't even know if that Vampire game was coming out, uh, la- like, until a week before it did. And I was like, oh, shit. Right. You know, like, I'm constantly surprised by game updates. And also, like you, I now have games that are, like, my my mainstays. You know, yeah, that, that I'm, staple, like that, your socialization. Yes. And so, yeah, actually, social socialization is a good way of putting... Uh, a big part of why I did it, you know, why I play those. So yeah, it's just a, so, and like the summer is other things like there's movies and stuff to go see. And, oh uh, yes, yes. I'm halfway through black Panther right now. Um, my wife wanted to finish it tonight, but I told her I had to record. So she, we usually end up starting movies pretty late and then, yeah. and then she will get like halfway through and she's like, I'm loving, she actually about black Panther. She was like, I love this movie so much, but we have to go to sleep. So. There's actually three movies that come out tomorrow that I want to see. Jurassic Park. Nope, that's at the end of the month. Okay. What are the three then? Uh, this week, Ocean's Eight comes out. Oh, okay. Uh, Hotel Artemis comes out, which is getting decent reviews. Um, and Won't You Be My Neighbor comes out this week, which is a documentary about Mister Rogers. Yes. Yeah. That guy is a pretty. I watched which, I watched the trailer for that and I was like, Am I crying? I might be which crying. Which uh, has a ninety eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes with sixty five fresh reviews and one rotten. Oh, uh, that person's going to hell. Yeah, I I want to see who the one rotten review is. Who the soulless person? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that that. Uh, it looks like a really interesting thing just because it shows. I think there was a lot of interesting things with a lot of popular TV at the time that was like, doesn't seem, you don't even, when you watch it now, it doesn't even seem radical because you're like, oh, I didn't realize that we just didn't have the context of everything going on at the time that those people watching it would have had. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I was, th- I was watching the toys that made us recently about Star Trek figures and that kind of hit upon some of those same things and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Uh, I saw Upgrade last week, which I liked until the end, and the end made me like the whole thing less. Upgrade? What is that? Yeah. Uh, it's from Bloomhouse. Okay. Uh, it's about a dude whose girlfriend is murdered, and he is rendered a quadriplegic, and a guy building an AI chip offers to install it in his spine. It acts as a bridge between his his brain and his body. Okay. And he like starts to investigate the death of his wife and like it gives like basically he can let the AI take over and do a bunch of crazy ninja shit. <laughs> I mean, you tell me that and it sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, I just it has this kind of like technological nihilism slash everything is totally fucked demeanor that Yeah, that's pretty common these very, days. I feel like everything is fucked. We're fucked. No matter what is like a luxuriant kind of nihilism that only like white dudes can really indulge in. And, um, yeah, I feel like that, that definitely jives with a lot of what I hear a lot of times. And and, people of color can't say, well, everything sucks forever. It's never going to change. So fuck everything. Like, I don't believe in anything like that is not like a position upon which you can try to enact social change. Um, you can only wallow in things being bad when you don't have to worry about the worst parts about things being bad. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of the people I know that wallow about everything being bad 
also, you know, have a stable job and a, and a, you know, the latest iPhone and all these things. It's yeah. like, it's like, they, it's like they're, they've become nihilist, but they're also pretty well for themselves. I don't know. And like, I, I feel like until now the Bloomhouse genre stuff has actually been pretty good about, um, feeling exploitative or, or de- like dealing in like the kind of trappings of exploitation movies, but being very sort of socially sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Like even the purge movies like became much more sophisticated over time mm-hmm. and get out. has obviously got like an enormous, like heavy social message and stuff like that. Like even happy death day feels like a pretty smart thing about like fears of fitting in and, and like, ostracization it's a tough word really make it hard to say that's just a Um, tough word but this one feels like it drops the ball there in some ways um yeah other stuff that i can't really talk about like yeah i don't feel comfortable spoiling that movie yet is the is the lead in get out i didn't look this up but i figured you know is, is the lead in get out one also in black panther yes okay i thought i thought i was like that looks like that guy i'm pretty he's sure he's the dude that's always dressed like the yeah. wakandan guy who's always dressed yes yeah he's yeah one of the council members and okay yeah, yeah i just keep being surprised by the people in that movie everyone everyone is in that movie yeah and i and i didn't know this about black panther uh, you know because i i hadn't heard people talk about it too much I was like, oh, he's he's kind of like it has like a very James Bondy vibe to it, especially with like when he's meeting up with his sister. Like, I don't want to spoil too much that movie because it's still recent, but just him with his sister checking out all his new tech. I was like, oh man, this is totally like Bond going and checking out all his badass stuff. Like kind before of, he goes it's on the mission, like, it's like you know how Iron Man is technologically sophisticated. Well, look at this shit. Yes, not only is it is it Iron Man sophisticated, but his shit is garbage compared to the weird shit that they can do. Which yeah. is yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I'm, a lot of fun. I mean, that movie's uh, it's pretty cool. And uh, Michael Jordan is excellent in it. Yeah, he, I've only gotten to the part in that movie halfway through where I feel like now he's actually going to appear a lot because up until you know the first half of that movie is there's a lot of uh, Ulysses. There's a lot of threads. Ulysses Claw. They start. Yeah, they start getting tied together. Yeah. Yeah, my wife keeps talking about how weird it is to see that guy not as a monkey or something else. You know, just to see him as an actor in a movie doing a part. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's just always been a... He's always been motion cap man. And now yes. he's Now he's just himself. So... And it's been long enough since you watched Age of Ultron that I'm like, remember when fucking Ultron's stealing that vibranium and he takes that guy's he, arm... He buys it. Ultron doesn't steal it. He buys uh, it. D- okay, see, that's, so that's how long I, it's been since I've seen it. I just remember he acquires he, it. He in puts, some, like, billions of dollars in his bank accounts. That's right. And he also take. But doesn't he chop off yes. the dude's arm? Okay. Yes. Okay, I was like... I thought that that's where he got the fake arm from, but I wasn't sure. Or why he had the fake arm, I should say. Um, yes, that's why. Yeah. Uh, well... Yeah. I call it? Yeah, we can wrap up. It's almost... It's almost nine thirty, and we all know turn into a pumpkin at ten p.m. So, uh, at least you don't have to drive home this time. No, it's true. I was actually eating some sushi while we were recording. It's rather nice. Um, next week is E three. Next week is E three. I get back late Thursday night, so theoretically we could uh, convene on Friday. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say not on Thursday. That sounds pretty. No, I get home pretty late Thursday. 
Okay. But, uh, well, maybe we can get uh, at least a three-man. We'll see how James feels. He may be a dead... James probably won't be free. He'll probably but, be a uh, dead body. Matt probably will be. Um, but... And I'm sure we will have things to talk about. Yeah. Are you going to be putting up stuff during the show? Yeah, I'll be... Uh, I'll be covering it for Variety, so my stuff will be there. Okay. Um, so everyone should go check that out, or you can follow Arthur on Twitter, A-G-I-E-S, where he can tweet out some of the stuff he's working on. At E3, Arthur's still doing that. That E3 grind. Although, hopefully yeah, it won't be too much bad. of a grind. Yeah, no. now it should be pretty cool. Um, and then you can follow me on Twitter at Chef Money. Uh, I also stream at Chef Money. And you can go see Arthur's pictures and his art that he does at Pragmagic on Instagram. I can actually see one of his pieces of art right now behind him. I don't actually see you do much. Uh, in my experience living with you, I don't remember you doing that much with anything besides oils. So when I see... Yeah, some, I'm trying to do some bigger drawings, but... Yeah. You know. I just haven't seen you draw that much, in my experience. But obviously you are a talented drawer. Mm, I don't drawer. know. Is that, drawer. Is I'm that, a talented drawer. That's not how you say it, right? You're not a drawer. I don't know. I just feel that I felt... I felt really... Draftsman? I, I, I felt one. really stupid saying that out loud, so... Uh, yeah. Man, I'll have to show drafts, it. drafts person. My my wife is a drafts person, so I'll have to let her see your drafting sometimes. Uh, anyways, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. If you're going to E3, say hi to Arthur. Drink a lot of water. Keep in mind that he'll probably be heading somewhere though, so we can't stop to talk to you. It's not personal. He's just gotta, he's gotta keep moving. So, all right. And with that, uh, I guess we're done. Have a great weekend.